Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, thanks for being with us today on the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is, as you know from yesterday, chaperoning a field trip. So Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show on the Radio American Network, is with us today. Chad, always what? good to have Where's you. Ju- wait, 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 wait. He's going on a field trip? Well, his kids are, and he's the chaperone. And you know how much fun that is. Where are they going? I hope somewhere cool. Did they go to Congress? Did they go there today and see Nancy? Because you don't want to mess with Nancy. Hey, we're also brought to you today by NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite.com slash martini. We'll tell you all about it in just a moment. But yes, impeachment is our theme today. And uh, Nancy Pelosi is charting forward. I'm not sure how we're going to classify these today from mostly a conservative standpoint. Uh, none of these are probably good. So bad or crazy. Take your pick. Nancy Pelosi coming out 9 o'clock Eastern time this morning after yesterday's panel of constitutional experts before the House Judiciary Committee, uh, three of them from the Democrats urging impeachment, one from the Republicans, who actually is a Democrat, saying not impeachment. But Nancy Pelosi says it's time to move forward for a number of reasons. First of all, she says the evidence is clear. The facts are uncontested. The president abused his power for his own personal political benefit at the expense of our national security by withholding military aid and crucial Oval Office meeting in exchange for an announcement of an investigation into his political rival. And she says it can't wait till after the election and just let the voters decide because he's trying to meddle in this election. Our democracy is what is at stake. The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt once again the election for his own benefit. And finally, she got to the point after a lot of uh, flowery talk about the founding fathers and, and uh, smoking cigarettes. And so, it sounds like smoking cigarettes. It sounds like I've got to say something, people. He's done some bad stuff against uh, the United States Constitution. <laughs> here's uh, the. It's always fun to watch the libs that invoke the founding fathers and how much respect they have for him. But uh, here's what she said: His actions are in defiance of the vision of our founders and the oath of office that he takes to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders, and a heart full of love for America, today I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. Sadly, with firmness and humility. Well, two out of those three certainly aren't true. I don't think she's super sad about it. That <laughs> she's she's probably confident that at least it'll pass the House at this point. Uh, later on, uh, she was asked if she hated the president because the top Republican yesterday in the Judiciary Committee uh, said that the only reason Democrats are doing this is because they hate the president. And here's what Pelosi said to James Rosen about that. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. She says uh, she's Catholic, shouldn't hate anybody. So, uh, Chad, what do you make of Nancy this morning? You know what? I think there is some sadness because I don't think she wanted to do this. I think after the Mueller, she thought, okay, it's over now. We can move on. Let's focus on other things. But we live in a world, man, as you know anything other than, you know, the rest of us, we spent, you and I spent all day just ingesting all kinds of news. We live in a world now where social media and a certain small group on both sides that are the extremes get the loudest bully pulpit and can move the most needles. And that's what's happened here. I think she's been forced into it in a lot of ways by a certain group inside of the Democratic Party and a certain loud base in social media that I don't think she really wanted to be a part of because I think she understands the ramifications potentially. Uh, maybe losing more seats in the Senate, losing more 
seats in the House and maybe losing her position. And that is her fear. I think she would rather have either never followed this thing through or censured him and moved on. But I don't think she has a choice at this point. And now that she's been kind of painted into that corner, well, let the chips fall where they may. The fact that nothing's changing, is this a big risk for her? I know independents have kind of shifted a little bit uh, uh, over the past few weeks. But uh, assuming this goes like we all assume it will, he gets impeached in the House, doesn't even come close to getting removed in the Senate. Is this a, a big loser for Democrats going forward? Yeah, huge. And, and, and here's the big thing. Think about this. It's not just losing potentially her position, be second per, first person ever to lose the speakership twice. But imagine losing the speakership, losing some Senate seats, and all of a sudden Trump gets reelected, and then he has a chance to appoint maybe two or three more judges in his second term. What that does for a generation to the courts, and it's a bigger picture thing that I don't think they that, that the, the wider audience who lives in the now moment understands. Some people plan for the future. Other people's plan for the moment. She, I think, sees the bigger picture and what this could mean to the party as a whole. Wow. So she gave him the green light, and uh, you're thinking she's starting to regret it. We'll see what happens. I don't think she ever wanted it. And I think you think that, too. I think she would have rather moved on from this because I think she went in one day and she said, look, guys, if you guys can get 75% of people on board, 65% even, I'm willing to really jump on on board with you and I'll get behind this. But I think at this point in time it's moved, and I think she feels like if I I let up now, I'm going to pay the price for for this and 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 I and I could lose the speakership even if we don't lose the house. So I think she's really kind of stuck in a situation where she would have liked to have tempered this a long time ago, but like a snowball, it got way too big and now it's an avalanche. And now she can't do anything to stop it. Really. I mean, she could, but uh like you said, the political ramifications on her own side of the aisle would be huge. So um, it's all about numbers, like you said, Chad. If she could have gotten 75% on board, she she would have gotten uh, behind it more enthusiastically. She's trying to count uh, seats in the House that could be at risk because of this, possibly the Senate, and obviously uh, the one occupant of the White House. Numbers are important in politics, and they're also really important in business. And if you don't know your numbers, you don't really know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their random hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and on and on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, which takes way too much time, way too many resources, and ultimately that can only hurt the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Now, this gives you visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded uh, headaches by managing what? Sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Number one for a reason. In addition, thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business, and now it's available to you and your business. You'll learn how to optimize processes, drive operational excellence, sell across more channels, and much more. There's really nothing not to like here. And right now, as if that weren't good enough, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide entitled Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash martini. That's netsuite.com slash martini to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. netsuite.com slash martini. 
All right. Impeachment martini number two here, Chad. This goes back to Wednesday's hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. As we mentioned, there were three constitutional law professors, three brought in by the Democrats, one by the Republicans. One of the ones brought in by the Democrats is a woman named Pamela Carlin. She teaches law out at Stanford University. And let's just say she's not a big fan of the president of the United States. You could tell it not only from her words, but also her demeanor throughout the day. And uh, one of the points that she and the other uh, uh, experts uh, advocating for impeachment were saying is, is that the president is acting in an imperial way, as though he's above the law, like he's some sort of autocrat or dictator or king. And so uh, to try and drive home her point, uh, Professor Carlin said this. I'll just give you one example that shows you the difference between him and a king, which is the Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. Uh, uh, uh. So uh, then uh, social media blows up, of course. Uh, Republicans saying you just brought a 13-year-old kid for no reason into an impeachment process. Uh, apparently that news got back to Ms. Carlin because a little bit later in the hearing she says this. I want to apologize for... Uh, what I said earlier about the president's son. It was wrong of me to do that. I wish the president would apologize, obviously, for the things that he's done that's wrong. But I do regret having said that. Melania tweeted out that it was completely inappropriate to drag her 13-year-old son into politics. Uh, It's interesting that it took a little while for most Democrats to agree with that, or folks on the left in the journalism world. The same folks who said it's uh, inappropriate to bring the children of Joe Biden into it, like his 50-year-old son, Hunter, or the far beyond adulthood son of Elizabeth Warren with the whole controversy about whether he attended public school. So, Chad, everybody likes to get outraged now. How much outrage is warranted here? You know what? Very little. I think she tried to make a joke. Let's be real. These are academia people. There are a reason. Those who can do, right? Those who can't teach. And they know a lot about academia and the Constitution. They're not comics for a reason. I think she was trying to make a point and it fell flat because it was trying to be, yeah, I'm trying to be a funny ha-ha person. I don't think she meant, you know, we should never bring the kids. I, you know, I would never, uh, with Obama's uh, kids, I, you know, I never talked about them unless it was positive because you just shouldn't do something like that. They, this is a world that, quite frankly, yeah, you know what, he, he's a part of, not by choice, right? It's the same kind of, like, you want to go after the older kids who are participating, I got zero problem with that. But I just think it fell flat. But outrage culture is amazing. I mean, think about this for a second. That Pel- Have you seen the Peloton ad that's made the outrage over the last 24 hours? Of course. So you got to, yeah, so she's 116 pounds. Her hun- <laughs> her, she wears yoga pants. She's gorgeous. Her husband gives her a Peloton bike. And Peloton, their stock has fallen 9% because of something that wasn't political, wasn't racial, wasn't anti-anything, but because somebody thought they took offense to it and they took to social media and we've made it this awful thing. And that's kind of what happens. We've given a platform to people who want to be a-holes the loudest box you can give them, which is Twitter. First of all, on the Peloton thing, it'd be nice if uh, they were going to chronicle somebody's supposed uh, progress on the Peloton over the year uh, to have someone who, you know, needs it more than this particular one. Everybody thinks it's uh, somehow uh, domestic violence going on in that. Uh, yeah, it's lo- like, hey, honey, lo- I know you want something to hang clothes on that costs $3,000, so I got you this. <laughs> Just get a regular bike if she wants it. Anyway, um, <laughs> So what do, you, what do we do about this? Is this uh, just something that's going to be forgotten now in 24 to 48 hours because uh, our news cycle is so insanely fast? Uh, yes. are, are there any yes. standards and norms on this anymore? Where do we stand? Yeah, you know what? It should be forgotten. I think she, I think she, was, I, I think she was very contrived. I think she really didn't want 
to uh, to I think she was trying to be funny and make a point. Her problem was though in her apology, she still went after the president. When you apologize, just let it go, right? Say right. one thing and move on. And that's just like, well, I wish he would apologize. She's going all ad hominem. No, 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 no. Just say, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that in a way. I was trying to be funny. It didn't come out the right way. For that, I apologize. And then you move on. But it'll be gotten because within 30 minutes, we'll have some sort of new craziness, right? Already today, we've had, you know, those people are yesterday's news, literally. And we've moved on to now the entire process itself. Now, we should bring up a good point, though, about apologies. Because any apology that uh, begins with, I'm really, really sorry I said or did that, but dot, dot, dot. It's just completely lost. And Never, ever, ever, ever say but in the middle of your apology because (laughs) what you're trying to do is throw something back at somebody else. You just apologize. You move on. There you go. All right, let's talk about our final martini here. I think this one definitely qualifies. Is it Hillary Clinton? She was on Howard Stern. That was was pretty bizarre. Did you watch any of that? I watched a little clip where she... uh, Talked about going to the inauguration and George W. Bush thought Trump's speech was uh, weird uh, to, yeah. c- to clean it up a little bit. But uh, uh, I'm a little surprised that Stern was uh, – this is the martini, by the way uh, – that Stern was uh, so fawning over her. He never liked the Clintons when he was president. Stern was more of a libertarian. I, I get the fact yeah, that he probably you, hates Trump. You know Trump, what, but- though? I, I said this, and we're going to talk about this today on my show a little bit later, is she was a different human being with, with Howard. That Hillary probably could have made more noise, and she still needed to go to some of these other states like Wisconsin that she ignored. But it, it was much like after Mitt Romney failed. They had a great documentary after he, he his bid to become president, and he failed, where when you see behind the scenes and you see, wait a minute, you're not a robot. You're a human being. You actually have emotions and stuff. Yesterday, she looked a little bit more human and relaxed, and it, it was very interesting. I said that person probably would have done a little bit better, but it was a very interesting interview. Uh, to say the least, and I'm just waiting for her to jump in. You think that's actually going to happen? Look, I, I, <laughs> I, I think there's a possibility. I would not. I mean, come on, she's got to be thinking about it, right? You're not. How are you not thinking about that if you're her? I don't right? know. I mean, you only get one shot at this, man. You know that. You get one shot at this thing, and well, this will be your third shot. Yeah, but you get one <laughs> real shot at this, where you know, like, I've got a chance. I've been there. I was in the ring. I failed. I know what I need to do this time. So, yeah, and she's looking around, too, saying, really, who, who, you know, you got Joe Biden here who, goodness me, what is he talking about? <laughs> You've got Pete Buttigieg, who's, he's just, I like Pete. I think Pete's a really good guy. He's very interesting. But the reality is he, nobody's going to vote for their nephew, right? I mean, and, and that's part of it. And then you've, I mean, who else do you have? Yeah, so do I think she's thinking about it? <laughs> yeah, she thinks about it every day of her life. Oh, man. Oh, to have her rejected by her own party again. I, I'm surprised that the party doesn't. Uh, dislike her more, given how easily 2016 was set up for her, and she still found a way to blow it. But uh, yeah, but you know what? I think that, that she is waiting for them to come to her and say, "Look, we're looking at the poll numbers. Joe's really struggling. Warren and Bernie. You say what you want about whether or not they're this, that, and the other. The reality is, is the loud mob may like it, but the loud mobs eight people compared to all of these people. We may need somebody else. And you get a few more of those weird Joe Biden, like I let kids rub my legs and I like roaches, and we may be going." <laughs> Hey, Hillary, you want to come back? Biden actually did say those things. Okay, okay, let's get on to our uh, final official martini here. And that's uh, the media deciding that, uh, you know what, so far the hearings and wall-to-wall coverage, multiple stories in our papers and on the news every single day hasn't changed public opinion much. And in fact, where it has changed, it's actually changed in the president's favor for the most part. So now Margaret Sullivan, the media columnist over at the Washington Post, has decided it's up to journalists 
to change people's minds, particularly the ones who could be changed, supposedly, but don't really pay much attention to the news and certainly aren't going to sit through seven hours of congressional hearings. And so she says, how should journalists respond to the stalemate other than to keep doing exactly what they've been doing? Well, bottom line, she wants the media to put together basically the equivalent of movie trailers. So people with uh, short attention spans or just don't care enough to sit through it very long can get the, the juxt of the, uh, of the case that is trying to be made here, and they will change their minds on impeachment and put more pressure on Republicans, particularly in the Senate, uh, to vote differently than they're currently planning to vote. But she doesn't stop there. She says, with all that in mind, I would also very much like to see one other major change, a moratorium on the reflexive use of the word partisan. Mainstream journalists love that word, but it lets them off the hook. We aren't taking sides, not us. The country is divided and we can't help it. Just uttering the word partisan is media Prozac. It soothes journalists' angst about not being perceived as inoffensively neutral. It's too easy, and too often an easy cover-up for, yes, epistemological nihilism. Wow, very good. The notion that there are no facts, so let's not bother to try establishing them. But here's the thing. There are facts. There is truth. We do live in a country that abides by laws and a constitution, and nobody ought to be above them. So... Chad, this is literally on the same masthead that says democracy dies in darkness. So uh, what do you make of the media deciding, or at least this uh, columnist for The Post, that, you know what, journalists, everybody muster. we got to get this done. The movie trailer thing is very interesting. The reality is we live in a momentary, you know, attention span world. And the the facts are is people want things they want cliff notes versions and we're at the point now we want cliff notes of the cliff notes right like <laughs> we want okay just give us a you know a movie described in thirty seconds that's that's all we want I don't have time for everything else but you're not going to move it and and part of the reason you're never going to move at least for this president in a situation like this you're not going to move the needle one way or another is because the the democrats have made this so very personal and when you attack somebody personally even if they're in the wrong every human being has been in an argument with somebody where they know they've been in the wrong but then somebody gets personal and even though you're in the wrong you're going to dig your heels in because you made it personal and that's such a huge problem so you can make movie trailers you can make move musicals you could do you know puppetry whatever it is that you think you can do you're not moving the needle so advocate away and have fun doing it and this friday get ready for (laughs) so who's left to be uh, influenced here now they claim that nate silver has found 12 percent of the population doesn't particularly like trump and could be persuadable but basically you have three groups of people in this country as i see it chad the people that hate trump and want to see him gone regardless of how you do it the people that love trump and uh want to uh see him continue and get reelected pretty much regardless of anything else and then the people that don't particularly like trump but uh don't particularly like the way the democrats are acting either uh but i get the feeling that at, by this point uh your mind's going to be made up on trump one way or the other yeah absolutely i mean uh i i look i don't know who's out there i'll, I'll be honest as somebody who looks at the constitution loves the constitution I was a little disturbed by some of these. And if you're not, then what are you looking at, right? What are you hearing? We should all be – every time something like this happens, somebody takes a swipe at our Constitution, we should absolutely say to ourselves, whoa. And I love the fact that we live in a world that that our founders created where we can say nobody truly is above the law. But the politics of it all has already been sorted out by people. And that's because in this day and age, so many people now identify as the party – that they agree with back in Nixon's day. And, and I wasn't around for like, you know, to, to even carry, I'm 48 years old. It's not like I was paying attention or anything, but you know, my mom said, 
Nixon had done something wrong, and people weren't tied to Nixon and the party. They were tied to right and wrong, and they didn't identify as that. So they didn't take it personally. People take it personally now. It's hard to find somebody out there who doesn't take things personal anymore. And those people who don't, and in, in when it comes to the politics of it all, usually aren't paying that much attention. And I don't know if those are the people you really want to persuade one way or another. And I don't think they really care. I'd be okay with the Democrats if they thought that was an effective tool. Hey, check out this video we compiled to condense our case. But for the Washington Post to be out there going, man, we're just not moving the needle. What else can we do? That just seems, yeah. seems very and, wrong. And, and that's the problem with, uh, with, with, with journalism today. There are so many great journalists out there who want to give you the facts, the who, the what, the when, the how, the why, but because we live in a different world now, and the competition, and you know this better than anybody else, is so massive and so huge, and, and it's about being first rather than being a right. It's about having a, a, a point where you can stand on something and make something loud because you have to shake the, shake the tree and make the noise to get people to pay attention, and that's the way you live, and that's the way you survive, and that's the way you make money. And it and it's sad that, that we live in that way. And now the journalists feel like, hey, we've got to make our noise, and we got to do that by just throwing our true colors. And we don't like the guy in the White House, but let's be real. They hope he gets another four years. Because for the love of God, could you imagine a Biden? I mean, the only thing we're going to be talking about is, do you think he's lucid? Yeah, that's not a good conversation to have. And it's I think it's kind of a, a weird feeling for a lot of these folks in, in the more liberal media because they truly do detest the president. But at the same time, more people are watching, more people are reading, people are absolutely glued in. It's probably driving the country to a place where we don't necessarily want it to go, given all the obsession on an hourly basis or even quicker than that. Yeah. But the media yeah. are doing better than they've ever done in a long time because they, they this keeps going on. And I've I've said I watch TV and I don't know how like, you know, God bless a lot of these people out there talk shows like myself. But I talk about like everything again, the Peloton. I mean, we talk about all kinds of stuff. But I will tell you this is he's he's kept a lot of people in business. And if he leaves, you didn't get any more interesting. The thing you covered was interesting, so you haven't gotten more talented or interesting, so what do you have behind that? And he is P.T. Barnum, and he is the circus, and he is the rock and roll show, and if he leaves, guess what? You're stuck with you, and unless you've done something amazing, you're SOL. It's going to be trouble, trouble economically for some of these outfits, but we'll see how it goes. Nancy Pelosi just gave us an impeachment for Christmas, so uh, folks, so... uh She's the cheerful giver, although she didn't sound too cheerful today, I gotta she, say. She did not sound too cheerful. She sounded like that lady is on the you know, the smoking commercials. You guys wanna know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Such a jerk, Chad. Chad, as always, great to have you with us. We'll do it again soon. You got it, brother. You have a good one. You too. Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show, Radio America Network, in for Jim Garrity, who will be back on Friday. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Leave us a great review. We always appreciate those. And don't forget about our great sponsor, NetSuite by Oracle, netsuite.com slash martini. And please join us on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.